Welcome back to Season 3 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Stefano Bini. In this series of podcasts, we are highlighting the best presentations from the January 2020 San Francisco Digital Orthopedics Conference, otherwise known as DOCSF, presented in partnership with UCSF's Department of Orthopedic Surgery, and the November 2019 DOCSF Berlin Conference, presented in partnership with Frontiers Health. On this, episode 11 of season three, we are presenting the third of our case studies. Our third company is aptly named Inspiron, a hybrid sensing platform that leverages computer vision, environmental sensing, and IoT connectivity to analyze, understand, and respond to the patient's physical environment. It is a company that caught our attention because of two reasons. The first is that it solves a real problem we see every day in the hospital, and the second is that its founder is a nurse. Who better than a nurse to solve a nursing problem? Here to inspire us about Inspiron is the founder and CEO, Michael Wang, RN, in conversation with Mike Ryan, chair of the advisory board at DocSF, presented to you on the DocSF stage. Funny meeting you here. Yeah. (laughs) So I just wanted to build on that visual that Chris was talking about. I was in Finland a couple of months ago meeting with the team of nurses that are part of creating their virtual ICU. And one of the things that was so fun is how they run morning coffee. So they've got all of their patients admitted virtually. And then up on the screen, every single one of them will come and they will be sharing what their cup of coffee is. And to his point, oftentimes it's not the technology that people are apprehensive and it's generally not the patients and the citizens and the populations. It's generally the professionals. We're not the ones who feel quite so ready. So I want to give a special call out. We've got some really exciting people in our audience today. Homer Simpson, Elon Musk, Fred Flintstone. You guys, great on using Slido. Um, If you also are aware, you can put thumbs up, highlight a question, but I love the imagination and the creativity. So keep going with that. So the way we thought about this conference in helping us to really understand execution is everything, we started out with a very big picture, setting the stage, helping us to, to give context. Then we invited some focused lectures to really help us think about how the technologies are making things possible. The other part that we really wanted to focus on is like, how does this actually happen? Which is why we have the case studies. So this is in our our next series of how do we actually go from the promise of what's possible to what is actually happening and how did we get to the return on the promise and the potential and the investment. So in our next series, what we're going to be looking at, and then we've got when we have our key presentation, we've got a uh, moderator and a set of panelists who have been prepped to, again, help us dig deeper, but we're counting on the intelligence and the wisdom and the experience and the battle scars oftentimes and the success and the triumph that's here in the audience to get to a better understanding. So yesterday we were focusing on surgery, OR, being in, in that space and looking at very specific problems that were being solved, we're transitioning and looking at the inpatient outpatient area. So one of the things that Chris hit on, which is so important, is building relationships and trust. Trust, trust, trust. For just recently released, 18 years running, nurses have 
they are the most trusted profession. And when we think about trust, you think about the experience of having somebody that is admitted into a hospital, all of the team who are around that, the patient themselves, they're concerned about trust and making sure that patients are actively being monitored and supported and cared for. We think about the care team. We organize all of that to deliver on all of that. And there's one person that has a really tough time with that, and that is the family member or the loved one. They're not part of the care team, and they're actually not the person who is admitted to the hospital. But they are working and hoping that there are eyes on the hospital, eyes on the patient in the hospital to really be thinking about how do we make sure that people are where they are, that we're paying attention to their needs at every single one of those moments. So when we think about what that scenario is like, who better than a team of nurses to come up with a solution for making sure that patients are safe, cared for, and that we are delivering on our duty. So I'd like to welcome the co-founder and president and CEO of Inspiron to walk us through how they are solving this. Please welcome Mike Wang. How's everyone doing? Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Mike Wong. I am the founder of Inspiring, and it is a great pleasure for us to be here uh, to share our journey, our story with all of you. And hopefully, you'll be able to see the actual implementation of a technology from concept all the way to clinical application to research. Very, very excited to be here, and thank you um, for this great opportunity. And in case you wonder what the name means, so Ren in Chinese means the purest form of altruism. So our name literally means to inspire Ren, to inspire that altruism. Who we are is very unique in that we're actually direct patient care clinicians, and we lived and breathed the problems that we're trying to solve. These are the things that we saw at the bedside. These are the things that we really struggled with, and we saw an opportunity to be able to create a revolutionary technology that allow us to be able to do better and to work better and to have better patient outcome. What we specifically focus on are three main things. We want to reduce adverse events. Specifically, patient falls, medication errors, and pressure ulcers, increase clinical efficiency for our care team, and also improve patient and staff satisfaction. Satisfied patients uh, start with satisfied uh, staff. So we also want to play a part in making that possible. We provide a continuous ambient automated monitoring platform. Our technology essentially is a hardware that goes right on the wall that digitizes the entire physical environment of the patient, and we use advanced sensors and computer vision to do it. All of the clinically significant events inside the patient's room are extrapolated, automatically analyzed, and turned into useful data. There's a video here that I will play or we'll be able to um, show you very quickly what we mean by computer vision and realize that the video that you see actually does not exist. We impose the video on top of the computer vision in order to show you exactly the events that are going on. So as you can see, uh, the computer vision basically turns individuals and events inside the hospital room into essentially stick figures and automatically analyzes the angles, dimensions, proximity, it recognizes the different kinds of events that are happening. So as you can see, there's actually no video or Im image capture whatsoever. Actually, we're using this computer vision in a very useful kind of way. Not only that, but also to identify um, staff, not with facial recognition, but skeletal geometry. I mean, it also studies the way that you your movement, your bo natural body movement, the different kinds of activities that you're performing inside the room, such as hanging a med medication, turning a patient. And is also constantly looking at the patient's environment, the patient's activities, 
themselves in order to make sure that there's no danger. So, so far, we've seen some really great results uh, from using that. So our technology saw the clinical environment for the first time this year. Uh, we launched the New York Presbyterian Hospital. It's a 4,000-bed hospital with 13 different campuses. I personally worked uh, in a cardiothoracic surgery unit. And the clinical pilot sites uh, were two units. One of them was a med surge unit. Another one was a stroke unit with a lot of falls and a lot of adverse events happening. And we deployed our technology across 47 beds and also more than 80 users. So the problems that we were trying to solve were very specific. New York Presbyterian wanted us to really replace a very ineffective RTLS solution, uh, real-time location system. They're great at telling someone uh, if they're in the room at this time. But other than that, the data that actually is provided and its effectiveness is very questionable. They had an RTLS solution, but it was not very effective, so they wanted us to replace it. A lack of data in patient safety protocols. So the fundamentals of patient safety are, one, um, hourly rounding and best reporting. Hourly rounding is the mandate that essentially every nurse or clinician should check on their patient at a minimum once an hour to make sure they're okay. And also best our reporting is that critical period between shift change when nurses are giving information from one shift to another. There's also no data leading to adverse events. When adverse event happens, uh, it's really he says, she said, and it's very difficult to decipher exactly what happened and also how to change protocol uh, to make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, there's no real-time dashboard on clinical performance and how we're doing. There's no way to really pinpoint and also benchmark. And also, they are looking for a way to boost staff morale, staff satisfaction. As more and more hospitals go after the coveted magnet status, they really want staff to have a sense of satisfaction in their work and also to improve leadership communication. And as many, many hospitals are experiencing this, they also had a very, very antiquated call bell system that was actually from the 1980s, where they can't even find parts to it anymore. So we were tasked to solve these problems and we met these problems with enthusiasm and we deployed our technology accordingly. So the way we did this was um, our in-device uh, is the base station. That basically is where uh, the computer vision and sensors are housed that goes right on the wall. So we deployed 47 of these across 47 beds. We also passed out the in-smart beacon. So we integrated our beacon technology right inside the lanyard of the actual uh, staff. And uh, inside, us, there's also an accelerometer. We're also able to calculate patient acuity based on the actual amount of effort and time it takes the staff to uh, to care for that patient. And also, we were able to integrate with the existing call bell system without any infrastructure change. We're able to capture data and information on all of the call bell events, uh, the volume, frequency, response time. And we did this with our adapter that was very, very easily deployed. Installation was actually uh, quite simple. We were able to install all of these uh, across the span of a little bit over a day. And uh, we were able to do it completely without disruption of the clinical flow. Matter of fact, we did it with patients actually in the room. The device is very simple. It goes right on the wall and it looks like this. Once it's up, it is doing its thing. Um, you don't have to interact with it. You don't have to press buttons. Everything's remotely monitored. And also, we got some really great feedback on uh, patients as well as staff on looking at this alien-looking device inside a 1970s-style hospital room. 
in playing a critical role in patient safety. We also built the dashboards as well as a clinical app for the clinical team to be able to receive these kinds of data in real time and aggregated data across the entire two units. And at the nurse's station, there's an iPad that actually displays all of the status of the patient. And also they were getting real live notifications from the call bell system as well as from their patients. We were able to create some really very insightful dashboards for management to be able to see their performance across um, the entire span of the pilot. And these were very useful in also creating a staff engagement gamification platform that we created. So when nurses and um, managers, when they are consistently caring for the patients, practicing hourly rounding, best of reporting, spending time with patients, we actually created a game platform where they receive virtual trophies and they can use that as a part of the annual review. View. They can also communicate that with uh, leadership to allow them to be able to communicate better and uh, give shout outs to other nurses. So this has been a very popular part of the program. And the results were very significant in terms of um, immediately seeing the impact of the technology. And what we were able to see a 35 to 77% increase with hourly rounding, 3% to 40, 42% with uh, BSI reporting, shift reports, a 75% falls um, reduction. The call bell volume, because the more consistency of visitations and allowing the technology to really work effectively, call bell volume actually dropped by 30%. And the overall call bell response time uh, by able to push the notifications from the call bell system to the iOS devices, uh, we were able to reduce that from three minutes to two minutes. And this is where things really are very fulfilling for us to see staff using this technology as we speak. It's still being used today. And also Inspiring's uh, system, 88% um, of the staff through an internal survey from the hospital was able to say that they chose Inspiring technology over others. And yes, at the time when we deployed, there were nurses actually still using uh, paper documentation to actually document that they visited the patient and they interacted with the patient. So 88% actually preferred uh, our technology. Um, 100% thought it was very useful, 75% chose Inspiring, call bell uh, alert system preferred over the existing system. And the best part is 100% of all nurses and management said that this solution itself is useful and is recommended across the enterprise level. Some very interesting challenges that we faced, uh, pre-installation, installation, and also uh, leading up to adoption. Going into Queens, Queens is a very old hospital. The particular pilot site was built in the 1970s, and they just continued to build room, modified rooms over and over and over again. So um, we actually, on the pre-installation survey, we were able to record that there were actually 27 different kinds of configurations of room setups. Uh, there were rooms with single beds, double beds, four beds, five beds, configurations, all very, very different. So um, that was definitely a very challenging thing for us to be able to look at. But luckily, we configured our technology to be able to stay very agile, very adaptable to all these different kinds of environments. So um, we overcame the configurations in terms of rooms. Wi-Fi limitations is also another particular problem in that there are dead areas in certain parts of the hospital where there was zero Wi-Fi connection, and uh, we were able to bypass that by actually creating our own internal server within the unit itself and uh, being able to really patch up all of the um, other limitations in the Wi-Fi. And also, um, we had beacons for nurses that are working in a particular unit, but when those nurses flow to other units, what is the process? What is, what is the procedure? When other nurses come on the unit itself, um, what is the process of getting them a beacon and uh, allow 
allowing us to be able to identify and uh, be able to monitor their overall performance. So that was also a very significant part. And at the time of deployment, actually, NYP in lo- on those two units, it did not have uh, smartphones. So there was nowhere for our app to live. And actually, those two units just in time deployed iOS devices. And we were able to download the apps onto their phones and allow them to be able to use it in real time. So these were some of the existing challenges that all across the board you'll be able to see in a lot of different hospitals. And these are probably the top four or five limiters of technology implementation when when a new technology enters the clinical environment. During the installation, we actually took the, the entire task of installing all of the devices. And by we, I also mean myself I was up there installing these. And We actually did it very efficiently, but without knowing some of the material that was actually um, uh, as a part of the walls that was built into the into the hospital rooms, it was very difficult in order to anticipate exactly what kind of penetration we will have on the walls, and also how do we do it in a way where we don't have to roll the patients out of the rooms or create really hassled environments to install these things. So uh, we had to improvise and adapt um, in those sense, and uh, we also wanted to make sure that. We distributed the lanyards in a way where it matched the schedules and uh, matched the particular shifts of all the nurses that were working on the unit. Eventually, we were able to overcome that by integrating our lanyard distribution to the security protocols uh, that a hospital already has. And with adoption, the staff training, management training, how to use our dashboard, how to use the data to supplement their everyday practice, and how do they um, actually use the data in order to benchmark their effectiveness, their success rates, and also how do you use the real-time data feed to modify their protocols uh, in order to create better protocols that prevent adverse events from happening in the first place. So overall, we we learned a tremendous amount going into this pilot and allowing our technology to see the clinical environment for the first time. And since then, uh, much more of the advanced capabilities and functionalities of the computer vision has been rolled out. And we look forward to continue innovating in this space and really be the sensor-based technology in the forefront to be able to um, bring about positive outcome. Thank you. I'm Mike Ryan, and I serve as the chair of the advisory board of DocSF. And I've been in, in healthcare literally my whole life. There's a photo of my mom pregnant with me at the American Hospital Association uh, prior to my birth, but been in the business my whole life, as I said, and have a great interest in this because when my my father's also was a former recovered hospital CEO and started a company designing building hospitals all over the world, about 330 of them. And, And when I was 15 years old, he gave me a plan and said, Mike, design this patient room like you would like to have it based on focus on the patient. So this kind of technology is very exciting. At this point, I want to, first of all, salute you, Captain. Thank you, sir. And thank you for your service. And I'd like to now invite up our panel to come join us. Deb Ebert is the VP at uh, Memorial Health System, and we'd like to have you come up, another nurse. I actually began my hospital career in nursing at Providence Hospital in D.C., so it's, it's kind of dear to my heart. Next, I'd like to call Robert Cohen, who's the Vice President and Chief Technology Officer for Stryker. Welcome, Robert. And now, Leslie Black, who's a founder and principal of the Jackson Square Consulting. So, I have a question when I saw one of the things that um, 
you deal with are facilities that were built in the 1970s or 60s and stuff like or that. older, yeah. Yeah, and I saw that at least one of the slides, you said five patients in a room. Obviously, those used to be called wards and stuff like that. How does the device answer the questions of having multiple patients in the beds? And that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, a lot of time was spent on that. Um, so um, our device works by essentially going on the wall that's behind the patient's bed. And it's very intelligent in using computer vision is the benefit of allowing us to be able to analyze very specifically when the nurse actually attends to the patient, which way the nurse is, uh, is pointing, the body proximity. Uh, if you're doing a physical examination, your actual contact with that particular patient. At Queens, the beds sometimes were so close to each other that if you stand exactly between the two beds, your legs can touch both beds, right? Now, some of the RTLS solutions, if you're using active RFID or even Bluetooth, it's very, very difficult to get down to that kind of actual granularity. And also the devices themselves, the two ends in the separate beds, would actually communicate with one another, says, you know what, I'm actually picking Mike up right. um, in bed one instead of bed two. So we actually got very, very accurate. And on day one of deployment, NYP deployed their, their management team and IT team to test the heck out of this. <laughs> so uh, that was actually one of the really important uh, things we yeah. need to master. Thanks. Appreciate that. Leslie, why don't you ask your question? Sure. Hi, I'm Leslie Black, and I'm looking at this from a slightly different perspective of some people because I come from the payer and purchaser side of the healthcare equation. So think health plans, self-funded employers, things like that. So a question I had for you is, it's a two-part question. First, how do you see this technology ultimately helping an inpatient facility do better on the kinds of charges that we're giving, that the payers and purchasers are giving to the healthcare system, specifically things like value-based care, bundled payments, you know, things like that. Trace the cost to revenue, to ROI, to improvement on quality that's that might show up on our dashboard. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a great question. So the first step I would say is to be able to actually quantify what does quality-based care actually mean, right? And also the exact types of activities and clinical events that are happening inside that sacred environment to be able to accurately and in a timely manner to identify those and to be able to say that those things occurred from when to when and exactly how they occurred. So um, from quantifying it, uh, our technolo technology automatically identifies those, those kinds of activities. And we are in the process of actually being able to automatically chart those activities by integrating with the electronic medical record system. So to be able to quantify those, to be able to actually have data. And also, when an adverse event happens, that's very costly, right? It's, it's the worst thing that can happen. What were the actual uh, events that led up to that particular adverse event? Can you decipher uh, whether it's a breakdown in protocol or is the need of a new protocol? Uh, whatever it is, um, can you um, make those changes uh, in a timely manner uh, to be able to um, adjust um, those adverse events and avoid them in order to avoid further cost in those kinds of ways? There's a very important insurance platform and application for that as well. So, um, be able to quantify that, identify that, and make recommendations on how to avoid it. Um, I think that's the path to the future to be able to allow us to do it. Right. Fascinating device, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> From the perspective of industry, when we look at digital solutions or monitoring solutions, which we do often across a broad breadth of our business, it's the adoption and the adoption rate. And the reality, one of the problems you're trying to solve is patient neglect. 
Yes. And patient yeah. neglect often is a human failure of some form of behavior, either by nurses, yep. potentially nursing management. Yep. And the idea that you could put something on a lanyard and now you are essentially tracking that individual, mm-hmm. you almost get a sense of, I could see many nurses thinking, big brothers now watching Absolutely. over me. Yep. And and this all data. And, and really what you're trying to do with this device is change behavior. Yep. So can you speak to the adoption? Can you speak to some of the challenges? Because it, it would just seem that all the nurses weren't just welcoming you walking around with the lanyard and seeing what shift yep. they were going to be on. Yeah, that, that, that's... Uh, <laughs> Adoption begins at the design stage. So anywhere from the industrial design of the actual device, does it look like an eye that's looking at you, right? Or does it look like a friendly, uh, intelligent thing that can make you your job easier? There were no illusions. The fact that I practiced, um, and my team and I were all came from the clinical environment, we knew that mentality. And we knew for, uh, from the very beginning, without knowing anything else about the technology, the natural Assumption is this is the end. This is this is this is Big Brother embodiment. But as soon as we actually started describing the technology, and education is a very very key part of it. And you might laugh at the gamification piece, but we're looking at a very human endeavor, right? Um, and there's a saying that nurses often feel like their job is a thankless thankless job. To be able to identify that actually is not tracking. We're only interested in the actual behaviors that are happening at the bedside and nowhere else. We don't care if you're in the break room, if you're in the med, none of these other things matter. So that was the first step in allow them to see, okay, perhaps this is a little bit different from RTLS. And then we deployed the gamification piece where they see, okay, well, there's actually a way to quantify the quality of care that I'm providing to be able to have a fun feedback. It's a, it's a, it's a positive feedback where I'm performing my job to the standards. I am getting recognized. My leadership can see all the trophies I'm getting on my app with one press of a button says, great job. So these little things, these are very human factors. And you know what? Nurses are not asking for, for, for winning cars and stuff, right? It's just a simple pat on the back to say, this shift, you did the utmost that you could do to uphold the standards and you did a fantastic job. And across the entire year, you can look back on your clinical journey and say, you know what? I was able to improve. Um, these are the great things that I've done and I feel great about it. So those little things, those little human things from design to the gamification piece, uh, to allowing them to be able to be recognized for the great work they do, all build to really make sure adoption is something that's at the forefront of our thinking. If we didn't think through that piece, absolutely. It's big brother. It's the end. They will simply take all the beacons and and put it in their lockers and that'll be that, right? But the fact that not only do they embrace it, but they want to use this as their annual performance review as a objective way of evaluating their quality of care. That's great. I think, uh, again, having two nurses involved with the the very beginning of it, I think, uh, you know, says a lot. And with that, Deb, you want to ask your question? Absolutely. So from the nursing perspective, well, first of all, Mike, I just want to call out and acknowledge your dedication to patient safety and being a a strong patient advocate. So certainly want to thank you for that. Going back to conceptually from the very beginning, obviously, I can see that quality, safety, other stakeholders would be very interested in 
in this project. So can you talk a little bit about how you incorporated that from the very beginning to be able to make your value proposition globally? Absolutely. So when proving the value to the hospital system, one would think that you would appeal to not only just the CNO, for example, or the CNO, the CIO, um, the chief experience officer, they all have to see value in this in order for, for this to truly be embraced by the organization. So from the technology perspective, from a CIO or CTO perspective, we actually solved a very practical issue for them in the fact that the antiquated call bell system was not able to generate data. So they were essentially, everyone was flying blind. So we were able to solve that problem very quickly. So that appealed to to the technology and IT side. From the clinical side, obviously from a quality of care to be able to consistently practice patient safety protocols. And NYP was really adamant about mastering the fundamentals of, of patient safety, right? If, if we can't even ensure that we're seeing our patients on a regular basis consistently, what else are we talking about, right? So from a CNO perspective, the fact that she has all of those kinds of data uh, in real time to be able to see the consistency of these practices and if they're being done and how they're being done, that was a very big appeal for them. And then from the chief experience officer, he was very interested in HCAP scores especially. And the particular HCAP question that really appealed to him was uh, the call bell question. Um, yep. Um, how, how quickly are uh, staff responding to your call bells? And that's something that they struggled for years. The fact that we were able to really improve on that particular HCAP score question and allow him to be able to overall see the impact of the technology on the overall experience of the patients, uh, that was a huge appeal to him. So across these three areas, we kind of check the boxes in all three, and that allowed us to move forward. Super. Also, also want to congratulate you. Very shrewd move. We know that nurses do want to feel that appreciation and that value. So I think by building that system in so that you can see that immediate visibility for gratitude for their service is also awesome. People. Thank you. And they love it. They really do. <laughs> Robert, you got another question? Sure. So again, from the industry selfish perspective, <laughs> which a lot of people here are from industry. So, so what's your business model? Is this a one-time sale and then you do the training or is there a subscription service? And the second part to that is, is it is machine learning. Yes. So do you have access to that data? Can you do things with that data? Yeah. So the, the business model, it depends on the different organizations. Some of them require different ways of structuring. So as an early startup, we had to stay very agile and um, adaptive. But the overall is a subscription model. We actually charge um, by um, per day per bed for the device. And it comes with the um, mobile application, the data, the dashboard. So everything's bundled up into a singular dollar price per day per bed inside the hospital. And there are different tiers of data access, of different functionalities. So those are all the different types of services that we provide. And also things such as clinical training, installation services, um, those things are negotiated uh, separately uh, with the hospital, depending on how much of lift their IT wants to do, their biomed wants to do, versus what they want Inspiring to, to actually implement. The other part about machine learning, um, and this we really see it from the more advanced functionality perspective, we developed a, a very powerful fall prevention algorithm to be able to incorporate not only what we check off in the EMR, but also what is actually happening to the patient. Post-op day one, the patient has never been out of bed. 
bed. And then、uh, throughout the day, the patient gets out of bed independently without, a, without the presence of a nurse eight times, for example. What does that say about that particular patient's、um, fall profile? So, Using machine learning,、um, we actually have direct access to all of the machine learning、uh, data that we are creating, and we are testing this platform. As more and more beds are deployed, that's where the power of this really comes out. Thank you for that self thoughtful response. We do have a question from Elon Musk. Elon, any thoughts on being able to monetize the exhaust data?、Uh, that's a very, that's a very, very good question.、Um, Thanks, Elon. <laughs> I actually don't know the direct answer to that. I think it still needs more time for us to be able to see the market and、okay. see the capabilities,、okay. and that's that's, that's, that's on the top of that's on the top of my list. <laughs> here's, here's another question. This、yeah. one's from Fred Flintstone. Okay,、uh, Bedrock area. <laughs> Yesterday we heard the bread, yeah, Bedrock Memorial. It went yubba dubba do.、Uh, yesterday, hey Fred, we were important. We learned the importance of designing the enterprise approach to data architecture. This feels like Like a point solution, how do you fit in? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So we actually conceptually created a framework how to, to how to use our data, and we actually named it MDMDS. The first question I get is, why didn't you name it RNRNS? <laughs>、um, so so actually,、um, it stands for multi-dimensional modular data synthesis. So the way that we approach data and the way we see it is all of the data. Captures that we have are not only to be able to used in one kind of algorithm to solve one particular kind of problem.、Right. You should be able to dismantle these kinds of data at will to assemble them in different forms and compiling them with other sets of data in order to solve other types of different different problems. So the value of the data is also created by looking at how many different sets of problems this. One particular set of data can solve. If this data can only solve one particular problem and nothing else, the value proposition is probably very limited. Versus, if we're able to do it in a modular way, where、um, these things could apply to different algorithms, different ways of going about it, that's the true value of、um, of the way that data should be structured. That's great. I'd like to thank Leslie, Deb, and Robert, and of course Mike for being here and your service to、uh, patient care as well as the country. And execution is everything, and we're glad that you're here and executing going forward. Thank you very much, sir. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Again, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of season three of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, and that you heard something that will trigger your curiosity and advance your digital journey. Many of the examples we bring you are outside of orthopedics. But the technologies and solutions we present are all eminently translatable to musculoskeletal care. Please consider giving us a review on your podcast platform so other people can find us. More importantly, tell a friend about our amazing community. We look forward to sharing the next episode with you. I am your host, Stefano Bini, founder and chair of both the Digital Orthopedics Conference San Francisco and this, the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. Thank you.